Welcome, everyone, to the Boondoggles, Blind Squirrels, and Broken Clocks podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and as always, I'm joined today by my good friend and gambling guru, Chad Ford. Chad, how we doing this morning, bud? I'm doing great. How about yourself, bud? I'm doing well, man. Again, we're blessed with another great week of weather. Played some golf yesterday <laughs> afternoon. Feeling it today. The back and the legs are a little sore, but I'm fat, old, <laughs> and ugly, man. That's just kind of how it happens, bud, but... You know, these things happen as, as we get older, and we've just got to live with it and drink more. I've, I've been told that if you live long enough, you will get old. That's just part of it, man. So, but Well, well brother, before we get started, as always, man, got to show some love to the sponsor, and that's Chalk Sports Bar, which obviously is a place that's near and dear to your heart, bud. Uh, but Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. You can follow Chad, Ben, and the entire team over at Chalk, and they do an amazing job on social media at ChalkOKC com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at ChalkOKC. Again, in my humble opinion, it's the closest thing to a Vegas sports book you're going to find in Oklahoma, and the food just can't be beat. Always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. And Chad, it had to be a busy weekend at Chalk, man, and so I, I think that we have to start off uh, with a game that we talked about uh, a lot last week. Again, a game that's near and dear to our hearts, and our hearts are probably in a little worse shape after that uh, uh, crazy <laughs> game Saturday morning, but the Red River Shootout, brother, a, a recap here is that the wildest dumbest craziest most insane OU Texas game that you can ever recall bud man it, honestly I cannot recall one that was that had more like just dumb shit that went on within it on both sides of the football right I mean you're talking about hey number one quarterback recruit in the nation being benched because he is just like he looked scared in the pocket in some instances. Uh, you had just Longhorns making dumb mistakes on, you know, you had the punter basically tackling uh, Mims Jr. or whatnot on a punt return and then shoving him back down to the ground. Yeah, like the, pu- the punter flexed on him. He did. Or <laughs> he I'm like, on what, dude? You just gave him 15 yards after he just returned it about 40. Like, thanks. Oh my god! And speaking of punter chat, yeah, I, I, this is a pet peeve of mine, and I think we may have talked about it in the past. I don't know if we've talked about it on the pod, uh, but you know, Texas obviously gets a punt blocked at one point there, uh, late in the, in the Everybody first got half. One block. Yeah, but <laughs> I hate those stupid rugby style punts. So can we can we outlaw those things? So I realize they, that you know it allows your coverage team to get downfield, and you can run some fakes off of it and stuff. But yeah. it feels like those things get blocked more often than than just a traditional I, standard. Punt. I is almost that just me? agree with you because it's you know they have less upbacks back there protecting them because they want the they want them to see the field and to me at the end of the day especially if I'm a college football player and I'm a college football coach I hate giving a 19 a 20 year old the option especially a punter on how the game is going to be played and it's like hey yeah you got the green light if you see five six yards daylight in front of you no if I say punt the football punt the fucking football I, I, if I was back there I'd be running it every time so it'd be like fourth and 17 or something it's like I, I can too. I can I'm get it yeah, sure, right. <laughs> I, I got it. this and then all of a sudden some guy running four two from the slot comes and just knocks my ass out oh uh, but no you, you said I don't I don't recall an OU Texas game a Red River shootout having more swings emotional swing I thought both both of these teams lost the game at least a half a dozen times in the second Absolutely. half. Absolutely. And whenever you go to overtime, that's that's to be expected. But I felt like it was a game. It was an ugly football game with an exciting ending. I think that may be yeah. the fairest way to put it. <laughs> and and that was a, that was the thing is like, you know, you you go down and OU stops Texas. You know, in the third overtime, I think it was. 
And then they just have a 31-yard chip shot field goal. Everybody celebrating, and then boom, just off to the And it wasn't even close either. That was a yank of all yanks, dude. It was bad. (laughs) It was so bad. And 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 it's just like these. you felt bad for like almost the conference as a whole of like this is our primetime game we're putting on. And then you're also, you know, as a a Longhorn fan and a Suter fan, you're sitting there going – Okay, so this is what we've got to put on the field today. You know? I mean, we, we talked about it last week on the pod. I said, I, I think there are two mediocre teams that are going to square off on the Cotton yeah. Bowl, and that game did nothing to change my mind at whatsoever. I, yeah. I think both you of these teams – 36 points in overtime. Yeah, yeah. 36. Yeah. Like, I had friends texting me that had the under because the world was taking the over on the 72, and they're just like, oh, I got this locked up, got this locked up. Two minutes left, Texas, 14 points. You know, and yeah. then all of a sudden, 36 points in overtime. I was – one of those guys that was on the under chad so and, yeah. and I, I ended up on the wrong side of fate uh, after i felt like it was a pretty good bet with about uh, two minutes and speaking of the end of the game too you know it was interesting yesterday the, the big 12 officials uh, uh come out and said that there was a, a boo-boo on the uh, clock management there uh, on one of the plays to where uh, ellinger it was it was late in the fourth quarter i think about six minutes yep. to go he runs out of bounds and they they respot the ball and you know goes to the video uh, replay to kind of see if he got the first down or not he didn't get the first down and they forgot to uh, essentially run off 39 seconds or something from the clock and if, oh, if, yeah, so if you Texas recall may not even have been yeah, in position. yeah yeah Texas scores that final touchdown uh, with 14 seconds left and so yeah. I, I don't know I, I think Ellinger would have found a way to score a touchdown at the end <laughs> one way or the other again I, I the game the game script it was so funny that both of these teams almost reverted to type in the second half you know OU oh, gets absolutely. out to a two touchdown lead they blow it in the fourth quarter Sam Ellinger puts the team on his back wills them all the way down the field to tie the game up and and whenever the game you know whenever that, that Texas scores that last touchdown it's going into overtime I was like uh, they've got this one OU's blown it again yeah, it's, it's three I, times I in it a row done. I thought Texas yeah. wins in overtime yeah. and you know, all the momentum you, you're absolutely right yeah it, yeah so it was it was really to Texas or for OU for fighting back after that situation yeah and, and maybe it's one of those games that they, they use as a launching pad you know we've seen it yeah. you know in the Stoops era uh, and, and then also you know here in a couple the last few years in, in Lincoln Riley's era that that game has been kind of a launching pad even after they've lost it you know in, in other years OU's kind of gone on to play really well after that uh, I don't I don't know if they've got enough bullets in the gun so to speak right now to, to make a meaningful run here and I'm really going to be intrigued to see uh, what happens with the with the other three teams that you know Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and K yeah. State. You know K State gets a big win on the road at TCU with a backup do, quarterback. You know no they were, quarterback. Yeah, yeah. The, the Skylar Thompson's out. For the out. Year, so. mm-hmm. Yeah, the Howard kid, I think a Pennsylvania kid, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. I, I want to say he's a true freshman or a redshirt freshman. But, uh, you know, I, I had uh, K-State as one of my surprise teams uh, yeah. early in on the college football pod with uh, with our man Butterball. And I looked like an idiot after week one. with uh, they, they lose to Arkansas State. <laughs> you looked now, great after week two, yeah, though. Yeah, they're making me look a, a little smarter now. But, yeah, losing Skylar Thompson, that, that's, a, that's a big loss. So I, I don't know if that's going to derail their season. But a big win on the road there. And then uh, Iowa State plays well. And then – Oklahoma State, Buster Hearts. I mean, their game's going to get postponed again um, this yeah, weekend against Baylor. Baylor. Baylor can't get out of their own way with COVID issues, and so Texas, I, yeah. the whole the whole state. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you got Houston. Houston had what five for four postponed games. Yep, they you didn't know, play the whole month of September with BYU, and it's like Houston's only played one game. Yep, they didn't get to play the whole month of September. It looked pretty good uh, uh, this past. Uh, I think it was the yeah, Thursday night game, right against Tulane. So they they came out of, of the practice. gates. Uh, yeah, they should have should have looked good. They were fresh, that's for sure. So, well, yeah, again, just a, a, a crazy, insane uh, OU Texas game. One that will go down uh, in the uh, in the record books uh, for for a long time. Uh, that that's for sure. But again, it, 
both teams are two and two and one and two in conference. I think that's the uh, the final takeaway is you take a step back after all that crazy excitement, uh, and, and we've got two mediocre teams. I think here, Chad. So, uh, well, well, brother, we got we got to talk NBA Finals, man. So uh, the Heat, you know, they 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 force a game six. You know, uh, Jimmy Butler puts puts forth another you know Herculean effort there in game five, uh, but it wasn't enough. The uh, the the Lakers kind of the the talent uh, edge, and then I think some of the injury issues with the with the Heat kind of. Uh, caught up to them in game six and so the Lakers close it out on Sunday night I think their 17th uh, NBA title if I'm not mistaken LeBron ends up with the MVP his fourth uh, and then fourth uh, fourth championship as well but uh, uh, your thoughts now that the NBA season is officially over uh, the Lakers uh, arguably you know the, the the favorite I think going into uh, this yeah. kind of a goofy uh, uh, pod uh, bubble uh, bubble system but uh, they they hold hold serve and chalk wins out here but uh, your thoughts on the NBA finals bud I think at the end of the day, I would just say kudos to the NBA. Um, basically, for one, they were able to put forth a situation almost before anybody else could. Um, they had their plans in place. Um, you know, kudos to uh, Commissioner Adam Silver. Uh, they got into a situation where they put uh, the the teams up and all the organizations up in a really nice setup. Let's be honest. It was like a two-and-a-half-month summer camp at Disney. Um they didn't have any COVID outbreaks. Uh, they had rules in place. They had disciplinary actions. If you remember Lou Williams, he, he had to go get some chicken wings. Well, you got to sit out eight days now. In, in my um, experience, Chad, uh, the best place to get chicken wings are at strip clubs. So that, that's just my personal <laughs> no experience. Doubts. Yeah. No doubts. But, I mean, again, just kudos to me. They still made it exciting. Like, uh, you'll see in some of the football games that you watch, like, you'll notice that there's – there's no fans in the stands. You don't hear the crowd. Like the the away team is not having to deal with, you know, crowd noise and audibles and all that good stuff. But in the NBA, you never really felt it. It felt like NBA games. It They didn't feel like uh, Las Vegas Summer League. And mostly that's the telestrations they had put on and all that good stuff. But uh, again, just kudos. I mean, in, in the world we're in right now, you were able to put out a product that was marketable. Um, and I would imagine profitable and you crowned a champion when no one thought you were going to. Um, so I just kudos to them. We've seen the shit show that's going on when with football, college football, NFL, uh, baseball, but, uh, the NBA and hockey, they did it right. And maybe their team sports are more set up for a bubble type situation than any other sport, but still, Hey, well done. You got across the finish line. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that is that is definitely the main takeaway here is that they were able to pull off a Herculean effort and do so relatively smoothly. Again, I I was skeptical. Uh, yeah. To be honest with you, going into that bubble, and you think, man, they're all there in one place, and if you have one breakdown, it could it could derail oh, the whole screwed. thing. And, and, uh, and, let, yeah, and let's, for the for the fans, you had about a month there to where every day was March Madness. Every day was Thursday, the first. Yeah, that day regular of the games at ten a.m., eleven a.m. Yeah, that was awesome. Started yeah. at a 10, 11, and they were going till nine to ten o'clock at night. Yeah, for sports degenerates like us, it, it was yeah, heaven there for paradise. about a six week period. It, it was it was yeah. really enjoyable. So uh, I remember yeah. talking to a couple buddies and just being like. Man, I'm I'm tired. I just want a day off. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was nonstop sports action there uh, for for six weeks or so, and that 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 made it really enjoyable. But you know, it, inevitably, Chad, the question now turns to uh, the the Debron, uh, LeBron and uh, MJ debate, uh, I should mm-hmm. say, and and that's that's well, that was the story, I guess, Sunday night into Monday morning uh, as we're recording this pod here on Tuesday morning. But uh, you know, four four championships. 
Um, so so yeah. he's getting up there in numbers now, four finals MVPs. And, and, uh, and again, we talked about it last week on the pod. You know, he, he drug a couple of uh, Cavs teams to the finals that had no, oh, yeah. absolutely no business being there. So, you know, the overall win percentage in the finals uh, isn't, isn't as good as Jordan's. I mean, he was, he was perfect, right? He was yeah. six for six. So it's going to be hard to beat that and match that. But, uh, you know, you think about, you know, other other athletes that are that are in that GOAT discussion. You know, you're Tom Brady. He didn't win every time he went to the uh, Super Bowl with the Patriots, right. right? I think he was six for nine. I think he, he lost three times. Yeah. You think yep. about the Jack Nicholas's of the world. You know, I think he finished second uh, at major golf championships more than he actually won, right? So, uh, but but your your thoughts on you know LeBron's legacy? What does this do for him uh, moving forward? And uh, how how many more years do you think he's got left in the gas tank, bud? Man, he looks like he's got a good three or four years left. And by the time it's all said and done, I think his stats will be somewhat similar to Jordan's. I think if they can keep this Laker team going, I think they might have one or two more years in them, especially if they get Anthony Davis on a max deal or, or whatnot. Um, I've always said, if you grew up watching Jordan, there's no way anybody's going to tell you that LeBron's better unless you're just an antagonistic person. Like it, it just is what it is. And now if you grow up watching LeBron, there's no way you're going to convince someone that Jordan's better than LeBron. I think the media, I, th- I think the difference is, when you looked back at the media in what I would call like the nineties or so when Jordan, he was so beloved, so beloved. And now we're, we're all so cynical as a society that you hate seeing this guy on top. And I mean, let's be honest about it. Like Jordan smoked, he drank, he cheated on his wife. He had, you know, multiple affairs, mostly multiple gambling addicts, you know, would berate teammates and all that. And we said, well, that's what you got to do to get to the top. That's the alpha male mentality. Almost like, you know, Tiger Woods. Like, Tiger Woods, hey, for a good bit of time there, he was not a good person. And LeBron James is just out here, you know, building children's schools. He's never been in the media for any type of bad stuff. Um, You know, he's generally for all intensive purposes from what I know he's a good human being and a great human being and one that's advancing himself his family his culture all that good stuff and yet the media just takes a shit on it um it it is interesting yeah that that we've we've changed it's yeah yeah yeah. so so much we we would we would we would go after or attack uh, uh, somebody who who tries to be so mindful of his uh, the brand right I think is the phrase right. that a lot of people say and it's like well I mean you know we're all brands to a certain degree right so you know our mm-hmm. reputation and, and what we do you know uh, uh, behind closed doors uh, or, or off the court or, or away from work or whatever you want to call it and stuff is is just as much a part of who we are as what we do between nine and five and so yeah a guy that who's conscious of that and and wants. Uh, wants to be liked, wants to be loved, I think, and wants to leave a, a positive impact. And, 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 and you're right, the, the media cycle changes from the Jordan era <laughs> now to where we attack a guy for being mindful of yeah. it and trying to do the right thing. It's like, all right, well, what bizarro world are we living <laughs> in here? So, yeah. But saying that, um, my money's always on Jordan, man. Uh, that that dude is just like Tiger when he was in his prime. When he got the chance to step on your throat, he made sure you were not going to breathe again. And yeah. I, don't, I don't think LeBron's got that in him. In the That's consistency that Jordan, you know, did it almost night in and night out Dur- yeah. during regu- meaningless regular season games. And, and oh, we've seen that. Take you. Yeah, we've seen the NBA kind of shift. And, and maybe, you know, uh, credit to Greg Popovich, you know, kind of starting this with the Spurs and, and ta- you know, taking games off essentially during the regular yeah. season where star- and a lot of people had beefs with that, right? It's like, hey, look, we pay good money for these tickets. You know, we, we want to see Tim Duncan. We want to see uh, uh, Manu Ginobili. We want to see Tony Parker and that the Spurs 
stars of that era to where he would just yeah. set guys out and say like hey look it's an 82 game season like you don't I don't need the, these guys right. to be at full tilt for 82 straight games if uh, I remember it just correctly, takes a Jordan last season played all 82 games yeah yeah he did he went and, and went hard uh, all he went 82 hard every game there was no nights off man yeah no and I and I sit there and I'm not trying to be you know a dick because obviously the two years he took off for baseball like it might have it might have been something else. Maybe he would have got tired, but man, my money would have been on Jordan to win eight straight if he didn't take those two years off. Yeah, it would have been a lot of fun for those finals. To, you know, the Houston Rockets yeah, stepped the in Rockets, there, won those yeah. two to see a, a Jordan versus Hakeem Olajuwon and that uh, yeah, those great one Rockets versus three teams. on the draft yeah, yeah. chart and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that I feel you know from an NBA fandom standpoint, maybe we were robbed of those two years there uh, yeah. to kind of see that great Bulls team with Jordan take on those Rockets teams, and uh, you know maybe maybe that would have been you know, a lone blemish, right? That, those Rockets teams were really really good. You know, I think they dispatched yeah. a uh, a very young Orlando Magic team uh, with uh, Penny Hardaway and Shaq in one of the finals, and I think the Knicks with uh, um, uh, Patrick Ewing, I think uh, one of those years as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, wasn't that so. the, like the Maybe it wasn't. I was going to say the strike shortened year where the next I think were so, like 95. The seed or something. Yeah, yeah well, that, that might have been the next year because I think the Spurs won that year, right? 96 or something, I think, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. The 50-game okay. uh, season, yeah, the year after that. Or, or, I just well, know there was one year in there 99. where the Knicks were like the eighth yeah. seed that made the finals or yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think you're right. Now that, now that now that you say that, I think you are right, bud. So, But, uh, uh, yeah, one, one of the few, maybe the only finals that I think Patrick Ewing uh, made made it uh, uh, as the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, you know, he Jordan kind of stood in his way. Yeah, yeah being in the wrong row. Shaq came along, he's like, like, what the hell? Wrong place at the wrong time, man. One yeah. of the greatest centers of all time and just had had to go up against incredible teams it's in like the Barclay, East. It's like Barkley, man. You're yeah. just like... Yeah. Come on, dude. Yeah, their 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 playing ability and careers merited a uh, at least one championship. And uh, unfortunately yeah. for those guys, you had you had guys like Jordan and uh, Hakeem Olajuwon standing in the way. So, and I, I think that's that's one of the the media's biggest drivebacks against um, you know naming LeBron as the goat is name the other superstar when Jordan was playing in his prime that won a title. You know, it's like Jordan stopped them all. You know, and I know yeah. it's, it wasn't just Jordan by himself, but it's like LeBron. Okay, KD got one, Steph got one. You know, um, Kawhi got one, uh, LeBron got one. You know, it's like everybody kind of got one or whatnot during LeBron's era. To where it's like, as soon as Jordan took the throne, he wasn't letting go. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. I mean, I think part of it is is the era you grow up in as well because you know Jordan is our era, right? So he was he was on all the posters uh, yep. and, and on the walls and, the and shoes, uh, yeah, you know, everything. I mean, he was he was he was that guy uh, during our era. So, but uh, no, no well, kudos to the Lakers again. I I wouldn't say that I'm a big Lakers fan per se, just from an organizational standpoint, because uh, I grew up as yeah. a Celtics fan. Uh, uh, you know, I obviously had had a lot of love and reverence for Jordan, but uh, uh, you know, got into basketball even a little earlier there with uh, Larry Bird and uh, uh, that. Celtic squad in the uh, late 80s there and that was kind of my my dad's team and kind of who I started following so uh, Celtics and Lakers was obviously a big rivalry there so if I had to pick one uh, I'm going with the green of, of Boston but uh, hey um, again they 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 were really impressive so you got to got to give yeah. them credit and again in a weird year they made adjustments and they did what they needed yeah. to do to uh, to win it and again I, I we talked about last week on the pod I'm excited about that Miami Heat team as well I, I think it's I think they can, they can keep team. it together again make a couple moves we talked about maybe Drogic gets moved on and uh, free up some cap space and do some things there. But 
But uh, I think that team's going to be uh, around in the East for the for the next two or three years to come. So they're going to they be definitely fun to have their identity better than anybody else yeah. in the NBA has their identity. Yeah, it's Bolstra again. Doesn't get the credit yeah. he deserves as a head coach, uh, but uh, uh, maybe maybe he'll start to get that credit now. So uh, great job yeah. getting that team uh, to the finals. But um, you know, moving ahead, uh, Chad, we got to talk a little bit of baseball, man. We're we're at the uh, the LCS now, dude, and uh, uh, yeah. we we were you know kind of right, kind of wrong, cakes. I guess. So, but uh, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, dispatch our, our our Yankees pick. I would say our Yankees, but the Yankees pick the, that we made there. Uh, that that series uh, goes to all five games, and uh, the Rays win a, a decisive game five, and they're two up on the Astros now, man. So, which again we talked about it. No one's going to be rooting for the Astros, so I think everybody's pulling for the uh, the Rays here, and so they get out to a, a quick lead uh, win win yesterday four two, and so they lead that series two nil. And then kind of a surprising game one in the NLCS. Uh, the Braves uh, uh, kind of use a late rally there in the ninth to uh, to pounce on the Dodgers and take a one game yeah. uh, uh, lead there. That that series just just played the the one game NL being a, a day behind. But uh, uh, your thoughts here on the uh, the opening games of the uh, LCS and both uh, AL and NL. But I, I would think MLB sweating right now. Uh, who wants to watch Rays Braves in the in the World Series? I mean, you're talking about two small market teams at that point. And let's be honest, Atlanta's not a big draw on, on baseball anymore. Ever since the TNT TBS kind of kind of era um you want your your big stars out there and i think mlb would love to see a dodgers astros um rematch in the world series basically from the cheating allegations and all that i mean that's that's who they ended up beating you know and i think major league baseball is kind of well damn it the yankees didn't get there and yankees try and take out their um you know restitution or revenge on uh the astros but Again, uh, you know the A's or the the Rays, excuse me, are are a really good team. They've got great pitching, and uh, you probably can't name one of their players in their lineup. Um, but at the end of the day, they're winning, so nothing nothing to be ashamed of. And then, you know, the Braves are a scary, dangerous team. They've got a they've got a hell of a lineup too, led by Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Alsby's. Like they're they're a stout team. Um, so it's it's no no walk in the park for the Dodgers, but. I still expect the Dodgers to come back and get that one, and I I would look to have a Rays Dodgers World Series. Yeah, and, and if it comes out as a Rays Dodgers World Series, which I'm with you, I think I still like the Dodgers in the NLCS. I think they'll bounce back and maybe win that game or series in six, maybe. But uh, you know, we shouldn't be shocked by Rays Dodgers, right, Chad? I mean, they're the no. two best teams uh, in both leagues yep. over the course of the season, and again, they're the best weird, record in each one. Yeah, yeah, weird season, sixty games, but you know, uh, it shouldn't be that surprising to us, I guess, despite the fact that you know neither <laughs> neither one of us us pick the Rays to uh, to make nope. the uh, World Series. Uh, I think we kind of kept waiting for it to fall apart. But again, you mentioned it, kind of a you know a team concept uh, throughout on that Rays squad because they're yeah. they're not they're, they don't the have heat. a lot of the the, the uh, superstars. Right? You think back, you know, a few years ago, whenever the Rays had that had that run and was making you know NL, ALCSs and World Series, you know, the Evan Longorias and some of those guys yeah. that kind of you know blew up into super duper stars and stuff. And it's like that's not this Rays team's composition. So again, they've done it, uh, you know, putting together some guys. That just kind of fill in holes and uh, in 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 kind of put together a really good team from top to bottom. You know, pitching's not that bad. They're pretty good on the pitching front as well. So uh, definitely an interesting composition of that team. And then you know to contrast that maybe with the Dodgers, right? So who have spent billions of dollars over the last few years and just tried oh. to cobble together an all star team to essentially. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe you have that David and Goliath matchup if it turns out to be Rays and Dodgers as we uh, we predict, uh, kind of moving forward now. But yeah, definitely going to be fun to watch and see what happens. And again, if the Astros make a make a run and get back in this thing 
you know, it's just like wrestling, Chad. So you can be a yeah. heel too, right? So you just oh, don't want to yeah. be that guy in the middle. You don't want to be that guy that the fans don't care about. <laughs> Love you or hate you, one way or the other, it's good for ratings. And so right. uh, may, maybe the Astros find a way to, to be that heel and get the uh, insert themselves back into the conversation here in this series. Well, Chad, I, I'm going to ask you to move ahead now a little bit. We talked about last week on the pod because it was a tennis major, uh, and we said, man, if he does it again, he's, he's going to insert himself into the GOAT discussion. Well, uh, Roger, uh, um, uh, or I say Rafael Nadal, he did it again, man. So, so ends yeah. up winning another French Open. I believe it was his 13th French Open in his 20th uh, major uh, tennis title as well, kind of getting up into those astronomical numbers now with Federer and uh, uh, you know that, that GOAT discussion discussion has to open back up but uh yeah. an incredible performance the guy we said it last week he just seems to can't be beat on on the clay courts at Roland Garros man but uh, your your thoughts on the uh, the men's French Open final and uh, Nadal getting it done yet again beating Djokovic uh you know yeah. so one versus and, two uh, I still sit there and think you know the most the most dominant event ever created so to speak is like I, I just don't feel any one person or one team has dominated an event like this that we'll ever see to where you put the best in time in time out like you said he's he's thir- 13 French Open titles he's 26 and 0 in semifinals and finals you do not beat this guy at the French Open and if you do it's cuz he's hurt because he pulls a hammy or something um, another thing I was looking back on on these you know when we talk about the, the, the big 3 with in this era you know you've got Djokovic you've got Federer and you got Nadal if you look at how their um, their championships are split. You know, Federer and Nadal both have 20, and then Djokovic has 17. But you talk about single dominance on one court. So you talk about Nadal on the clay. He's got 13 French Open titles. Federer on the grass. He's got eight Wimbledon titles. And then Djokovic has seven Australian titles. So uh, hard court. It's just, you know, it, it's amazing that they all created, they all completed the slam but they're all playing in the same era. And that's been the most impressive thing to me is like, you think about it. It's hard to name three other guys during the Djokovic, Nadal, Joker era uh, or Federer era that ever won another major. And you, you feel sorry for it. Like we talked about like the Charles Barkley or the Elijah one, you like just wrong place, wrong time, like Andy Murray and how astronomical and huge was it for him to break through and win that one Wimbledon title the first time since like 1916 or something that an Englishman won it or whatever yep. it was. But it's just, you know, sheer dominance out of three on three separate courts. You know, you just see the the meticulousness of what our generation is now to where it's specialty across everything to where it's like this guy dominates clay, this guy dominates hard courts, this guy dominates grass. And then if one of them slips up by injury or whatnot, the other guy's coming in and kick your ass too. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's it's kind of a crazy, you know, you, you talk about one player being so dominant or one guy being so dominant at a certain event. You know, the joke I was going to make is like, he's getting into that Undertaker at WrestleMania era here, yeah. man. So he's like, he just can't be <laughs> the beat. The like, is real. Yeah, who, whoever you end up meeting in the fight, you know, who's coming in on the other side of the bracket from, from the doll, you just got to think, oh, Jesus, I have no chance, <laughs> yeah. right? So this guy just can't be beat here, man. But uh, uh, no, it, it is. It's kind of, you know, reminiscent to you think back to some of those golden eras of heavyweight boxing, right? Where you had three yeah. or four guys who were just, Awesome, right? You think about you know Ali Frazier, George Foreman, you know, uh, you, you know those guys in that era that they were all yeah. fighting one another and kind of beating each other up, and one guy would win this time, and the other guy would beat them, and it was kind of a round robin of type of of, of a scenario. Begin for the last what ten years, maybe. Uh, these yeah. three have been going at it in. 
you know, again, you, you you're hard pressed to name another uh, men's tennis player who have who's won you know one of the four major championships uh, the last forty or whatever it may be here. Uh, yeah. Like I said, yeah, yeah, Andy Murray was the name that I was thinking of, and you kind of beat me to the punch there. It's like, well, <laughs> you think about a guy who who might have been really really good, right? Uh, had he just yeah. grown up in a different era, but you know, it goes back to you know kind of that heyday uh, perhaps of, of tennis when you had the McEnroes and uh, 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 the Bjorgs and all those guys, you know, the, maybe yeah. the '80s and stuff, you yeah, know, early Jimmy '90s. Yeah, and things yeah. like that. And yeah, just guys that were heavyweight just going at one another every tournament. Yeah. And it, and I guess it, it's, it seems like, you know, kind of the same thing when we talk about college football too. And, you know, it, it's there's not a ton of parity. There haven't been a ton of parity over the past, you know, 20 years. Hey, it's it's Clemson. It's Alabama. You know, like yeah. there's not a whole lot uh, to it on this thing. And it's just, it's amazing to me that only three or four teams like kind of step up and take that stage um, or three, three or four individuals. And it just shows you the gap between the greatest of all time and being really good at your generation. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's really, really kind of, you know, almost maybe we're getting nostalgic. Now, again, we're getting old, Chad. We talked about that leading yep. into the opening of the podcast. But, you know, you see these guys and you start to see the sand kind of slipping through the hourglass and think, well, how many more years can they keep this rivalry up? How many more years can they keep it going? You know, I think Federer has definitely started to, 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 to slope he off a little bit. And, and Nadal, I think, you know, arguably has as well outside of the French Open. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Jokovic seems like he might be the guy that has a little bit more uh, uh, gas left in the tank. I, and, again, he's a couple, I, I, I couple majors behind. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I still think Joker ends up with the all-time most titles just because I, I'm with you. I think Federer and Nadal are going to get hurt more often than not, and I think Joker, he's just going to breeze over these next, call it, two or three years of majors and win three or four more of them. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. So I, I think he's got more gas left in the tank and maybe he gets to 21, right? So maybe he gets yeah. just enough uh, uh, to, uh, to, to kind cool of get to see him all tie like 22 or 21. That would be pretty neat. Yeah, because really what, what Serena, awesome. Serena has 22, I think, or 23 yes. on the women's side. She's so I think she's got right the now. most, uh, yeah, or, or, tie, or right. almost right there at it. Yeah, yeah. I, so. I think I think Steffi Graf's got 22, Serena's okay. got 23, and then the all the the English girls got 24 from like the 1960s oh, way back, or something yeah, like right. that. But yeah, Serena's been stuck trying to tie that thing for yeah, a while. And, She's made like a couple different finals and then just got waxed in each one of them. Yeah, and she's probably getting towards the end of her her uh, mm-hmm. viable career uh, from a from a major championship standpoint as well. So uh, time uh, time catches up to all of us. But you know, it's, uh, talk, talking to the ladies, Chad. So we got to give a little bit of dap to uh, to young uh, Iga Swiatek, I believe is the right yeah. way to pronounce it. Nineteen years old. She she upsets, I guess, maybe a slight upset, maybe not. Kind of looking back on it now, at her performance, uh, the American Sophia Kennan uh, to win the women's French Open title. But the nineteen year old, uh, rank, I think she was ranked. 54th coming into the tournament. Yeah. She didn't lose a set the entire tournament, which that's that's pretty no. impressive, man. <laughs> it is, and it's it goes back to that whole thing of there is parity in women's. Like, I, again, you when was the last time someone besides Serena won back-to-back major titles for the women's? Uh, it just kind of just doesn't happen. Um, and then you see like a 19-year-old a ranked 54th in the world being able to come up and win one of the, I would say probably one of the top three prestigious tournaments in the world. Yeah, I would, absolutely. I would have, yeah. I'd have Wimbledon number one and then probably U S open and then French open three, Yep, I maybe two, a two B something like that. Impressive run for her, and again, just 19 years old, right? So we talked about, yeah. uh, you know, that peak. Uh, oftentimes, uh, for for the women's game, you know, they they hit that peak a little bit early, and so at 19, 20, 21, it's going to be exciting to see what she does. Again, kind of a, I mean, we're not going to sit here and pretend to be, you know, tennis aficionados, mm-hmm. but uh, from a mainstream standpoint, relatively unknown. So kudos yeah, to her historic. for just I mean, dom- dominating. Job. 
dominating for two straight weeks. So impressive performance. Well, uh, you know, Chad, before before we move on to picks this week and kind of projecting ahead to the all the sports events and gambling uh, picks for this weekend, we got to talk a little bit about this knockout from oh. Saturday night, dude, in the UFC. Oh. Uh, again, uh, undercard fight, uh, Joaquin Buckley against Impa Kasangane, I believe is the pr- uh, proper <laughs> pronunciation. I, I botched that pretty pretty good, but my goodness, a spinning kick. Uh, so so Impa grabs the guy's leg, and, and so I've got it up here, and so we're, we're, we're watching the replay of it here on the pod gang as it happens, but my goodness, I mean, that might be the greatest KO I've ever seen in the UFC, Chad. So your, your thoughts on this? Again, two relative unknowns, but uh, an amazing oh, knockout. But it, it, was so, it was so cool because it was a reactionary move, right? The guy grabs his leg, and all he can think to do is, oh, spinning heel kick. I'm going to hit him in the back, you know, hit him in the face. Uh, and it was just perfect. And I love the knockout because it's almost like Street Fighter 2 edition, you yes, know, like he's wobbling and then yeah. falls back. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like an instantaneous, like, he's out. It was wobbling now he's gone yeah it was video game-esque and again that you watch the replays in slow-mo and uh you know poor ipa's and like the lights his eyes just kind of roll back you could see the lights go out and just an amazing and amazing uh knockout there in the ufc (laughs) you feel like the king of the world after that yeah you know like and obviously you're winning you know knockout of the night bonuses and all that good stuff but holy crap just everybody's just sitting there like literally just you're the that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Oh my god! And again, maybe, maybe this launches the uh, the Buckley kid into something greater, right? Yeah. So kind of moving forward again, two, two guys that were relatively unknown from mainstream UFC. I'm sure the hardcore UFC fans probably knew who these guys were and stuff. But an amazing knockout. Kudos to him. And and I think Dana even said that uh, that knockout may be worth more than 50 G's. I think he may have gotten yeah. a little <laughs> extra bonus when it was all said and done. But uh, uh, you know, another another uh, relatively successful event, I, I guess, from the yeah. UFC's uh, standpoint, they're on Fight Island and stuff. So they can't seem to have kind that of figured. Some things interesting out. podcast yeah. of just us talking is who did it better the ufc or nba or hockey yeah because yeah. like, i think those three organizations have just been stellar at putting stuff together and you know putting sports out there when no one else can and again it might be because those sports are more set up for that but still all the coordination and effort that has to go on to push through and just the sheer egotism right to sit there and say no no we're doing this you know it's it's impressive yeah, and I think we talked about maybe on one of the earlier pods, Chad, I, I kind of feel like UFC, you know, it's always better with fans, right? And you want you want fans yeah. in the seats at any sporting event, especially the big pay-per-views, but I haven't felt like it's missed a whole lot, man. Like, I, I still, I, I watched Absolutely the, um, I've rented a couple of the pay-per-views here over the summer and stuff, but, yeah. I mean, it's almost kind of a different take on it to where you can hear, you know, the fighters talking, you, hear you can hits, hear the man. punches, you know, oh. you hear the corners talking to them and stuff, and so it's added it's kind of a different feel to it, and I, I don't feel like the fans, uh, the, the crowd noise, you, you've missed it a whole lot from a viewing experience standpoint now again I, I they want fans in the seats and they want to be able to make that income and and, and hopefully we can all get back to that uh, soon uh, at some point but uh, yeah I, I've, I've still enjoyed it uh, UFC still been fun to watch I think well, brother, let's move ahead. Let's make some picks for this weekend, bud. And and so looking ahead to some of the games, again, not not a huge sports weekend from outside sports, outside of, you know, kind of football, right? So, and obviously we're, yeah. we'll focus our picks on college football this week, uh, NFL as well. And so not not a lot of huge matchups in college football. There's one that we'll save that one for last, and we'll talk about that one <laughs> yep. uh, uh, in Bama and Georgia. But uh, uh, kind of a, a, a different slate this weekend, but some fun matchups from a gambling perspective uh, that we're going to dive into now for our listeners here. But 
you know, got to start it off with Friday night, Chad. And we talked about this team earlier. Houston, you know, they looked pretty impressive during their debut. A shaky start, right? Turned the ball over a yep. lot and let Tulane get out to a big lead. And then Houston just dominated that game uh, last Thursday night from that point forward. I was impressed at how well their defense played, uh, more more importantly, because Tulane was – they were uh, – they had some pop to them from an offensive standpoint yeah. coming into that game. So I was surprised by that. Uh, but BYU had been so dominant. And then, you know, they squeak out a win against UTSA this weekend. And maybe a little bit of a look ahead, kind of a letdown uh, game. That, that's inevitable for these uh, these yeah. college kids, even the, the more mature kids out at BYU. But BYU, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, traveling to Houston, total in this one 63. Your thoughts on this one Friday night, Chad? Oh, I first, I made the mistake on BYU early on. And then we talked about it in a podcast, probably it was the second one or the first one about how, you know, these older mature kids actually might handle this pandemic a lot better than what uh, some others are. Houston, it's going to be their second game. Uh, we know Houston loves to throw the football all over the field. It's, you know, Daniel Holgerson. Um, I got BYU in this game. I think they're going to be able to control the ground. They have a really good running attack, and I think it's going to frustrate the hell out of Houston. And I just think BYU is a better team. Yeah, and so they I got BYU and give them the points. In the way that they had won all those previous games, and again, they, they found yeah. a way to win this past Saturday too. So you can't take that away. You got to win your clunkers sometimes, no. and it's inevitable. Yeah. You're going to have a couple of clunkers throughout the course of a, a college football season. But man, they had been so dominant. And I'll tell you, my lean on this one, Chad. And again, I'm always Debbie Downer. I'm always taking the under. But I think these two defenses might be a little bit better than what we we give them credit for. Certainly on Houston side, right? So yeah. you think about Dana Holgerson and the offense, and 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 rightfully so. I mean, that's what he's been known for and being able to throw the ball over the field and run up a bunch of points. But, man, I was really impressed with that Houston defense against Tulane. Again, that Tulane offense, that's not they're not a they're not a bunch of donkeys, right? They can put some points up no. on the board. Uh, and, and so I, I kind of lean towards the under on this one. But uh, I'm genuinely excited about this game uh, uh, Friday night. I think this is going to be a fun one to watch. Again, not the, uh, the big major conferences here. But, you know, BYU – this is going to be one of the games that I think that they're going to point to on their schedule as one of the tougher games, um, just for you know arguments of getting Absolutely. into the playoff. I don't you know I don't think that there's going to be any way, even if they go undefeated, that they're going to find themselves in the playoff. But I think this is going to be one of those games that they're going to need to show out. And so I'm with you. I lean towards BYU covering here, but I think this is going to be a little bit more of a stingier game. Now it's if it a, goes, it's a tough one. Yeah, it goes into four overtimes like a OU Texas chat. I'm going to look <laughs> stupid on that one, but uh, I lean under on this one. But uh, uh, you know, staying in kind of the mid majors here chad a, a line that kind of jumped out to me that i think looks a little little fishy uh the cincinnati bearcats yeah coming to our state uh, to take on the uh, the tulsa golden hurricane yeah. on saturday cincinnati favorite here by three and a half the total 45 and a half i think tulsa might be pretty good chad and i'm, I'm leaning towards the golden hurricane on this one because that line looks funny to me bud it, it is really funny. I think the I think Tulsa is good. One, um, I do think you know they got they got OSU at the right time, the very first game, and all that good stuff. I do think that the UCF win. I think both UCF and Memphis were looking ahead, and both UCF and Memphis lost last week, obviously. But I think they were looking ahead to that primetime matchup. Maybe one of them has the opportunity to break into the college football playoff type thing. And they're both going to be on prime time before the Alabama Georgia game, whatever the case. Um, but I'm I'm with you. You got the number eight team in the nation in Cincinnati, is what you're calling them, going to Tulsa, and they're only having to give up three and a half. It it does seem fishy. Um, I can point to Tulsa's two games and sit there and eh, argue back and forth. OSU didn't have a quarterback. It was their first game. Blah blah blah. But I think you're right. I think Tulsa is stingy. I think Vegas does know something. And I would tend to take the home uh, the home dog here. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that Tulsa's defense is has been impressive, uh, more impressive than, than what you you maybe think from a Phil Montgomery coach team, right? You think about them, you know, coming from, you know, the offensive mindset and throwing the ball over the field. And that's what Tulsa's been for the last few years. Yeah. But they're able to run the ball now. Uh, they're pretty good along the defensive front. And, again, that's been what's most impressive uh, to me their first few games. And Cincinnati plays really good defense, too. They got a really good defensive line. And so I think that the defensive nature of this game keeps it close. Uh, and, and I think it's going to come down to maybe a kick at the end or whoever has the ball last. And so I'm with you. I would lean towards Tulsa here uh, just because I expect it to be a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. And so that one's yeah. – it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that as well. Again, Tulsa, arguably, they might be the second-best team in the state of Oklahoma. I, don't, I still don't know if we know that. <laughs> they, they, they might just be right behind Oklahoma State right now. But, yeah. you know, uh, staying in the AAC, Chad, and, again, you alluded to oh. it, the big game here. Sarah, what, what should have been a big game, again, both of them got, kind of got caught looking ahead maybe a little bit. And Memphis has had yep. their COVID issues, and so uh, they, they were off. But uh, – uh, Central Florida, UCF, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, traveling up to Memphis to take on the uh, the Tigers there in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, total in this one, 75 points. So Vegas expecting a lot, a lot of points in this one, and I think that they may be right. Uh, but your thoughts on UCF and Memphis on Saturday afternoon, Chad? Uh, again, I got the home dog in this one. I'm going to take Memphis. Uh, I thought they were the better team coming into the year, um, and we're going to see where it goes. I think they rebound from their loss um, last week, so – you know, I think I think they're both in a tough spot. Obviously, UCF and Memphis both lost, like I said. But I think Memphis being the home dog is worth worth the points here. Yeah, I'm with you. And again, Memphis was my pick to to win that AAC uh, at the uh, in our preseason pod uh, earlier in the year. And so I got I got to roll with them again. I like a quarterback Brady uh, uh, Brady White there. Uh, and again, UCF. I, I think that there were some flaws that were exposed there in that second half yeah. against that loss against Tulsa. You know, a week or two ago. And and so I, I think that they've got some offensive line issues. I think the Gabriel kid's a really good quarterback, and they've got some explosive players. But they've had some injury bugs to some of those skilled players there. In uh, you know talks that some of those guys may be back this weekend but you know how healthy are they going to be and so uh, I'm with you I like Memphis at home in this one but uh, you know talking about high scoring affairs Chad my goodness uh, we we got a, a move to the SEC here. We got Ole Miss, the, the Lane Train, a favorite in this one, getting three or, or a three point favorite, uh, traveling up to uh, Fayetteville to take on Arkansas. Total here seventy six and a half. You know both of these teams I, were really impressive in losses this weekend. Ole Miss just moved up and yep. down the field on Alabama, and we'll talk about that one a little bit more here in a minute. And then Arkansas. I mean, got screwed. They should have won that game uh, really against Auburn, have. and that was a terrible missed call there on a spike play by a quarterback, Bo Nix. Auburn uh, to kind of stop the clock in the final seconds. Actually, threw it behind him, so it should have been ruled a lateral. And so uh, the SEC hasn't exactly come out and said the referees botched it. But you know, you and I watched that game; they botched it, and Arkansas <laughs> should have won it. that game. But uh, uh, your thoughts on Rebs and in uh, the uh, Razorbacks, Chad? You're absolutely right. Arkansas has been impressive uh, over the first two games. I still lean the Lane Train on this one, going with. Ole Miss. I think they have more impact players. Um, and, you know, traditionally, they're just more talented. I think Arkansas is still a year or two away from really challenging. Um, I think they're going to have some close games, but I think they're also going to have some blowouts. I think that's just the uh, kind of the, the trend of a young team. Yeah, I'm with you. And again, they they have to be somewhat disappointed and um, how that game turned yeah. out. So you worry about maybe the emotional letdown there. And then Ole Miss, you know, probably the opposite, right? They they have to feel pretty good about themselves coming out of that uh, that, that Alabama loss. And again, defensively, absolutely they do. Um, That's something you know, to build on. They, they've got some issues on defense, but so does uh, everyone else in the SEC, but Georgia, right? Yeah. So it's like I don't want to hear any more of this talk about the SEC having such dominant defenses. I mean, you sit, you look at some of the over unders on these games, and they're in the high 60s 
and seventies. And so it's like this <laughs> yeah. is uh, this is Big Twelve. We we were we were we were doing <laughs> shitty defenses five or seven. Yeah, we were ahead of the curve, dude. So <laughs> yeah, uh, we we know exactly what this looks like. And so it's not just great offenses now. So it, it's uh, they're they've got some defensive issues there outside of Georgia. So but you know talking about two teams that have been really good on offense but really bad on defense in the SEC. Chad, we got to go down the swamp, man. And so the yeah. uh, we, what you know maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, looking ahead, you know could have been a huge game. Uh, going into it, you know, LSU has stumbled out of the gates. Obviously, they lose uh, to Missouri this past weekend, 45-41 in a shutout. But uh, LSU getting 13 points from Florida. The total here is 73. So, again, Vegas expecting a lot of points. But uh, your thoughts on the Tigers and the Gators on Saturday afternoon? I'm I'm more on the train now after watching LSU. I know we both had them that we were both going to sit there and say, hey, they're going to have like a mediocre year. I think they may have a losing season. Um, I, I just – I, I thought at first they'd be like a eight and three, you know, seven and four, you know, seven and three, you know, six and four, something like that. I now think they're like four and six. I, I think, I think Florida rebounds here. I think they roll. I think Kyle Trask gets back on track. And I think you really start seeing a situation where you, you might have an in, in season firing of Bo Pelini on that defense. Cause Orgeron's going to have to short, short up some way, somehow, you know, I don't think anybody in the world sit there, sat there last year and goes, Orgeron's a reason for LSU winning this title. You know, they looked at that 30-year-old passing. Yeah, uh, Joe Brady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brady, yeah. And I <laughs> I think it's one of those that LSU fans were already hot on Orgeron before all of a sudden Joe Burrow and all these wide receivers came into the play. I think it goes back that direction. I think they need another year of just preparation. Uh, if you remember, like, you know, Orgeron came out and said, I think everybody on my team said coronavirus uh, at one point. And it's like, don't say that. But at the same time, maybe you guys haven't had as much practice. And if that's the case, I'm going to go with the swamp. Like, I'm just going to take Florida on this yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, I think the old quote from Bobby Bowden, Chad, was you know, the the halo only has to slip 12 inches to become a noose, right? And so it's amazing <laughs> yes. that uh, Coach O, you know, it wins a national championship at one of the historically great teams in college football of all time. And then they come out of the stumble out of the gates at one and two. And there's there's some there's some talk of some uh, some hot seat <laughs> this year. But, you know, he he did not mince words in that postgame press conference that no. Missouri lost on Saturday. He, 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 essentially, he essentially said, uh, Bo Pelini, you got to get this fixed because we can't <laughs> stop anybody and this is embarrassing and so and it, it is it's kind of interesting because it seemed like a lot of the questions on LSU was the new quarterback you know Miles Brennan coming in yeah. is that offense are they going to be able to put up points the way that they did how is he going to fit into that passing attack and I think a lot of folks just took it for granted that well this is LSU they're going to have a good defense right yeah it's they're like, going to have a top 10 defense it's been the complete nope. opposite I mean Miles Brennan has been you know tremendous right uh, he, good, he's put yeah. up a lot of good stats and he was a little shaky in that first game against Mississippi State but the last two weeks you know I thought he played pretty well against a uh, uh, Vandy and then uh, even in the loss uh, against Mizzou on Saturday and so um, yeah they've got to get right and got to get right in a hurry but I, I'm going to disagree with you here Chad on on the okay. cover give me LSU because I, I think both of these teams can score a lot of points I'm with you game. I like Florida to win the game but I think yep. LSU might be able to score one late maybe maybe one that they shouldn't have scored and so 13 points uh, I, I don't trust Florida's lot. defense uh, here yep. and so I think that total of 73 I think it's going to be in that ballpark man I could see a similar score line here uh, you know 45 to 35 you know something like that somewhere in that ballpark Uh, but give me LSU to cover slightly but I like Florida to win the game well again we'll save the biggie 
for the end of the pod here between Bama and Georgia. So let's move ahead to Sunday, Chad. Uh, pick some uh, NFL games. Not not a ton of super huge games or, or big matchups on the NFL this weekend, but but one that kind of stands out to me is uh, uh, up there in the uh, the old AFC North, man. The uh, uh, the old school Browns and Steelers matchup. A huge yeah. rivalry here. Browns get a big win this weekend. Uh, they improve to uh, uh, what four and one now, I think, and yep. so they they're they're maybe a little bit better than what we thought. Uh, but Browns getting three and a half points to uh, take on a rival Pittsburgh. Total here fifty one. But your your thoughts on Cleveland and Pittsburgh, Jed? I'm kind of on the Browns train after the first week. Like I was sitting there saying, hey, you know, it, Baker Mayfield may get benched halfway through the year and they may move on. Which look, it's looking like the Jets may do the same with Sam Denarld. But I sit there and I think maybe the Browns have pulled it together. They have a great defensive line. They've got some good cornerbacks, which is what you need in the NFL. They've got playmakers on everywhere on the offensive side of the ball. I think they're one of those scary teams that if they if they just click um, for that game day, they can play with anybody. Um, now they can lay an egg, obviously, against they did Baltimore week one, but I still think that I think they're going to continue the train here, and I think they, they they like where they're going. They're they're playing well. I get it that the Steelers are four and zero or five and zero. I can't remember uh, if they had their four and zero week or four and zero. Okay, COVID issue or anything. Yeah. I, I like the Browns here. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, I, I think that the Steelers, you know, we talk about the, uh, you know, the football gods finding a way to kind of even some things out. And I, I don't think the Steelers are going to be one of those teams that go undefeated, you know, deep into the season, right? I don't see them getting yeah. to a 7-0 and 8-0. And you made a great pick this past weekend for one of those teams, the Chiefs. And we'll talk about them here in a moment to where it's like, hey, look, this probably should balance out. And the Raiders did that uh, uh, on Sunday, uh, getting a big win uh, against the uh, rival Chiefs there. I kind of feel like this might be that game. In the, in the Browns, yeah. you know, you talk about, They've kind of been that little brother, brother to Pittsburgh in that uh, that AFC North division for the, you know a long time now, and, and so maybe there's a little bit of that rivalry. And we talk about you know the game last year, right? So the Mason Rudolph, the Miles Garrett, the helmet thing, and all yep. the crazy stuff that went in there. I, I feel like this one's got enough juice to it, and I think the Browns are kind of fed up. Uh, I like the Browns to win this game straight up uh, in Pittsburgh uh, and kind of you know kind of incite uh, or, or keep the uh, the heat going on that rivalry there. Uh, and again, I think I'm with you. I think the Browns they've they it feels like maybe they figured something out and so they're going to be yeah. an interesting team to watch uh down the uh, down the stretch for sure but you know talking about some old rivals and some 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 great quarterbacks here Chad um let, let's talk about uh, the Green Bay Packers at the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday afternoon so Packers favored in this one one and a half the total 54 you know all, a lot's been said about Brady's uh, uh kind of boo-boo <laughs> on the other uh, yeah. thinking uh, he, <laughs> thinking he had an extra down there uh in the the, the, the loss on Thursday night uh, uh, against the Bears, but uh, your thoughts on Packers and Bucks on Sunday afternoon? I think it's going to be high scoring for one. I think I think fifty four, even for an NFL game that's light, or excuse me, for an NFL game that's heavy. But I still think it's light for these two teams. I think each one of them can score in a hurry. I I'm not going to bet against the Bucks in a bounce back game. One to where they now need to win because the Saints won last night, so they're not in first place anymore. Um, and I don't. I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady on back-to-back losses on this thing. I th- I think it's one to where you know if you look at the Packers and Aaron Rodgers is on a revenge tour right now because they drafted in the first round. I get it, but he's always had a certain or a, a a little. I guess you would say Jay Cutler to him to where he's a little relaxed during the regular season yeah. and then goes out and really pours it on in the playoffs. Um, I think I think this is one the Packers kind of give away. 
and I think it's a high-scoring 35-31 type game. I think it'll come down uh, to to the last four or five minutes. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and again, I think you know Brady made uh, made some some jokes on himself or at his expense uh, with regards to the, uh, the the boo-boo and the mishap. But he's one of those guys that takes those things personally, right? And so I'm with you. I, yeah. I think the Bucks bounce back. And again, uh, same same type of thinking or reasoning here as maybe one of that Steelers pick and, and against the Browns uh, earlier is that you know the football gods have a way of kind of evening some things out. And so you know this might be the week that the Packers fall from the unbeaten here. Uh, and I, I'm with you. I like the Bucks and I like it to be high scoring. And it's going to come down yeah. to maybe who has the ball last. And so you, you trust both of these quarterbacks, I think, for the most part, uh, despite uh, Brady's boo-boo last uh, Thursday night, um, having the ball in their hands down the stretch. But I, I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be an exciting game. There's going to be a lot of points in this one. And so definitely going to be watching that one Sunday afternoon at, uh, at 3.30. But going out west, Chad, so we, we've actually got some some re- reconfigurations due to some COVID stuff here, and we'll get to that here in a moment. But the Sunday night football game, um, what we probably would have thought would have been a uh, – Two, two decent teams squaring off in the uh, NFC yeah. West. We got the Rams uh, favored by three and a half at San Francisco. Again, San Francisco, I think those injuries are starting to catch up to them, man. Yeah. Uh, they, they've been bit a little bit. The total here, 49 and a half. But uh, your thoughts on Rams and Niners on Sunday night football? It's a fishy line, right? I mean, I the think 49ers it is. Yeah. just got blown out by, by the Dolphins. Miami. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Dolphins went to San Fran and blew you out. Like, it's not like you had to travel across the East Coast to get blown out. They came to your house and blew you out. And the Rams, uh, short hop, skip, and a jump away from them, have looked really good over this first, you know, five weeks of the season. I think they're 4-1, and one, only losses at Buffalo um, in the final minutes of the game on a phantom pass interference call. This is one of those to where I look at and I go, that's a trap game. Like, that's the football gods trying to say, we got you here. Um, I, I'm not going to bet it. You know, my my head says, lay the world on the Rams minus three and a half on this thing. But for some reason, there's something inside me telling me the 49ers get them here. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think the Rams have a habit of playing down to the level of competition or yeah. playing up to the level of competition. We saw it a couple weeks ago whenever the Giants come to yeah. town. You know, that game was 10-9 to 9 late in the fourth quarter, and then the totally. Rams get a touchdown there. Uh, yeah, same thing with the Cowboys. Uh, it was yeah. 2017, right, in week yeah. one. Yeah, they have a way of being in close games. And, again, you mentioned it. They were in a super close game against a, a really good team, Buffalo, and kind of uh, you know, arguably maybe should have, should have held on, should have won that game yeah. after a big comeback there. And so I, I think you're I think you're right. I, I would tend to, to think that this line's a little fishy. 49ers are a prideful team, right? They were in the Super Bowl last year. I think they'll yeah. bounce back. I would lean towards the under on this one, Chad, at 49 and a half because yeah. I think the 49ers are going to ugly it up and keep it close. But I'm with you. If you're going to make me pick, I would probably lean towards Niners uh, simply because of that fact that the Rams seem to play down or play up to competition and then the pride factor on a bounce back there. But I, I think this is a 20 to 17 type of game. I think it's kind of got that feel to it uh, one way or the other. So I, I think if you're getting the hook for the, for the Niners, I think it's probably a pretty good pick. Well, yeah. well, Chad, you know, a game, uh, an early slate game, I guess Monday night now, is a rescheduled game between the Chiefs and the Bills. And the Bills actually play the Titans uh, tonight as we're recording this, right? We're recording this on Tuesday. And so there's kind of a rescheduled game there. And so there's no line on this game. But I had it in the queue because it was going to be, you know, before Sunday, arguably two undefeated teams squaring off here. Yeah. Uh, this is this game was going to be on Thursday night this week. And again, getting pushed back uh, due to COVID issues. But um, no line on this one right now. But just kind of any thoughts on Chiefs and Bills. Again, two pretty good teams and maybe two teams that – you know, arguably might be in the AFC Championship whenever it's all said and done. But uh, your thoughts on Chiefs and Bills on an early game on uh, Monday night? 
Yeah, and I think the Bills have more to play for here. I mean, it's honestly, when you're the defending champs, everyone's coming at your back. But you've also got Josh Allen playing really well as a quarterback, and he's wanting to show that he can play up to the level of Pat Mahomes um, type stuff. And the thing with the Bills is they're, they've never been just – always been this quick strike offense. They now have that ability um, with Stefan Diggs there on the outside. But I think Buffalo's defense, um, which we've seen, uh, has been frustrating opponents. But also defenses are kind of figuring out the Chiefs a little bit here. I, I think it's a closer game. I would expect the line to come out about three on Kansas City side. I would think they would be a, a favorite going to Buffalo. But I, I think the Bills get one. I, I do. I think the Bills announced their surgeons here, and I think it's more important to them to where I think the Chiefs later on in the year are like, eh, we don't, we don't really care. We'll beat you in the playoffs type stuff. Yeah, and, and I think the, the Raiders may have exposed a couple flaws there uh, yeah. uh, on Sunday afternoon, right? So that was a high-scoring game, 40-32 to 32 was the uh, final score. Derek Carr played really, really well, in which we talked about him, you know, I think a week or two ago that uh, he was getting frustrated. And, and you could kind of feel it boiling up, right? They had said it all week, that, hey, we're tired of losing these guys. And I think they had lost, you know, six in a row or something to the Chiefs. And so yep. kind, of, kind of, you know, played really, really well. And so I think they showed some things that maybe some other teams could take advantage of. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that game. And then Bills and, you know, Bills and Tyler. Titans tonight, you know, as we're recording yeah. this, um, I think that one's going to be a really interesting. And so, you know, it'd be interesting to see if, you know, the Bills maybe have a little bit of a look ahead. Hard to say that you're looking looking past a Titans team that's undefeated as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is going to be a biggie on on Monday night. So a lot of eyeballs on this one. And, and I'm with you. Those two young quarterbacks, um, they're they're yeah. going to be battling one another for the next 10 years, I think, at those two Holy, respective organizations. That's for the Bills. I mean, you play yeah. the back-to-back AFC contenders from last year and the – AFC championships. So it's a, it's a test, right? And I, I, I feel like they're going to get one or two. Yep. I don't think they win both of them, but I think they get one or two. So uh, naturally that would, Make me pick the the Titans tonight, yeah. but we'll see where it goes. I think I think Bills are right now a three and a half point favorite uh, over yep. under on that one is a uh, tonight on the uh, Bills Titans game. So so maybe the Titans they find a way to kind of keep all their games close too. Again, I think they were three and zero and hadn't covered a spread yet. If I remember right, that was the line yeah. going into it. So so interesting on, on that. We'll be watching that one again. I guess one of the I, I guess if there's a silver lining of some of these COVID things, Chad, is that we're getting some football games on Tuesday nights and some some yeah. other weird nights here. Some and great stuff. stuff so you would, know. would rather it all go as planned and be normal but uh, we, we are getting some uh, bonus football on extra night. So I uh, won't complain about that, and we'll be watching that one later tonight. But, you know, moving ahead, Chad, to uh, Monday night football, uh, my Dallas Cowboys, I, guess, I mean, golly, Dak Prescott, we'll talk about that here in a moment. you got to feel for him. But uh, they're hosting a former, used to be an old-school NFC East rival, the uh, Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray coming to town. The Cardinals are actually favored in this one now, uh, two-and-a-half points. Uh, the total here, 54-and-a-half on the uh, Monday night football on ESPN. But um, your thoughts on Cardinals, Cowboys, and I guess, Yes, again, we, we have to start with Dak, Dak Prescott and his injury. Uh, didn't didn't look good, and uh, you know, he's, he's obviously out for the year now. Yeah, I hate it for him, and honestly, you know, it, I hate to say it too, but, you know, it's kind of one of those things that, like, you know, shame on Dallas and shame on Dak for not getting a deal done. You know, that guy, he's, at some point he was walking away from $40 million, and the rumors come out that it's over a year to where Dak Prescott wanted four years and Cowboys wanted five years on the deal, but it wasn't about the money. And it's like, man, how can you guys not make this work <laughs> at some point? Um, and you just feel for it. Cause he's in an Alex Smith situation. He's now got to come back and let's be honest. It's a business, right? Hey, Dak Prescott didn't take the contract, the Dallas Cowboy, you know, Hey, it didn't come down to it. And you wanted to risk kind of your season on that. That's what can happen. 
And yeah. now he's got to come back. He's got to prove he's the same player he was before. It just, I just hate it for him because I think, you know, if they weren't close on money, they were they were really close after the Deshaun Watson and uh, Pat Mahomes deals because thirty five million seemed cheap and a bargain at that point. It, it just, it's terrible. I hate it for him. You know, we'll see what happens with Andy Dalton here. I'm yeah, the red rifle, I, Chad TCU's own. Yeah, man, the yeah. red rifle there. Um, I I kind of sit there and I was like. You know, I had I read some articles that said, yeah, he looked he looked good. He brought him back or whatnot. And I was kind of like, I think he made one good throw to it was either Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb that got him in field goal range there. But otherwise, I didn't think he looked that great. I tend to think the stars are going to shine brightest in their hometown. And yeah, you got TCU, um, the red rifle there. But I, got, I like Kyler Murray coming back to his home state of Texas and um, looking good on that Dallas star. Yeah, and, and Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, they, they look good this uh, Sunday. Now, again, they were yeah. playing the Jets, so everybody looks good against the Jets. But it was an important bounce-back win for them, and the defense played really well in that game. Uh, they had kind of let a couple games slip away there against the uh, uh, the Lions uh, a couple weeks before, and it escapes me now as to who they lost to the week uh, last week. But uh, you know, probably yeah. a team that uh, is a little better than what we thought going into it. And so I, I'm going to be really interested to see what happens here. And so – you know, my pick on this one, Chad, I lean towards the under, right? Both of these teams, yeah. you, know, you think about the Cardinals, they're known for the offense. And, you know, you think about the Cowboys. I mean, their defense has been so terrible. I think the game plan is going to adjust now from a Cowboys perspective with Dalton in there. And you mentioned it. You know, he 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 did complete the one pass and set up the game-winning field goal there. But there's a lot of dinks and dunks, you know, kind of uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, underneath routes and uh, throwing it out of the backfield and check downs and stuff. And so um, I think you'll see a heavy dose of Zeke Elliott and uh, Pollard yeah. to try to keep that Cardinals offense off the field. And so I think three points, give or take, is about right here. Uh, I can see this being a close game, uh, kind of coming down to the wire. But I, I like the under here just because I think the Cowboys – realize that they're going to have to change things now. And, uh, and so I yeah. think you'll see a heavier dose of that running game, and there'll be much more of an emphasis on being able to run the ball uh, for, for those reasons there. So give me the under, but, you know, I'm with you. I, from a Cowboys fan perspective, you know, Dak's injury, as awful as it was and as sick to my stomach as it made me, you know, there's kind of a, a little bit of, I don't know if relief is the right word, Chad, to where it's like you feel yeah. like you're, you're done. You know, it's like, all right, look, we have an excuse. There's an out. We don't have to follow this roller coaster of a dumpster fire of a team moving right. forward now. So, so I don't know. Part of it, too, is like, all right, well, there's no expectations at this point, so we can kind of just fast forward to next year. And so you'd mentioned the hey, contract. You're first in, you're first in the They NCAA are. They're in first place. I mean, so, so you, you have to keep going, right? So in uh, yeah, Dalton, you know, he had a few years at at Cincinnati when he, when he yeah. had some talent around him where he was a very capable quarterback. he's a four-term pro bowler. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's not, from a backup standpoint, you can't do much better than he's him. I'll put it that yeah. way. Yeah, so, but, uh, you know, I think the Cowboys... Hey, put it this way, you could have Jameis Winston. That's true. It could be worse. <laughs> but uh, I think the Cowboys end up finishing somewhere around 8-8, eight and eight, which is, you know, with Dak, you know, maybe they were 10-6 and six team. Who knows? I don't yeah. know. Maybe they would have figured some things out. But, you know, an 8-8 eight and eight might be good enough to win that uh, win that NFC East, man. But uh, I think that they're, uh, they're a wild card exit even if they do uh, do make it to the first round of the playoffs but well Chad we danced around it we've alluded to it the biggie this weekend Saturday night number three Georgia at number two Alabama so getting a I think it's a primetime game right I think it's 7 p.m. Yeah. on CBS so they're 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 pulling out all the stops yes, and recognizing uh, how big of a game this is and you know anytime you get a two versus three or one versus two matchup in the regular season doesn't come around that often and so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun here and again this was that carryover game between the divisions you know Alabama and Georgia they were going to play uh, you know, regardless of all the COVID scheduling changes that there in the SEC and kind of going to the conference only schedule, so everyone had this circled uh, on the uh, on the uh, the schedules going into it, regardless. And so, 
Georgia's been doing it with dominant defense. Alabama's been doing it with a tremendous offense. So the clash of styles here is, is going to make it a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, Bama favored by six right now, Chad. The total in this one, 59. You know, what are your initial thoughts and what are some keys to the game as you see this big SEC matchup uh, uh, unfold in Tuscaloosa on Saturday night? I'm with you. I think I think the SEC is making a transition the way the Big 12 did five to seven years ago, and I think you're going to start seeing a lot more 45-41 type games uh, here. And I, I don't necessarily think this one gets into the 80s, but I do think it gets up into the 70s. Um, I think it is a 38-35 type game, a 38-31, something like that. I tend to think they're going to throw the ball all over the field. I think Mac Jones is is really good. And old Bennett over there at Georgia, I think he's been a great little walk-on addition for him, um, especially when no one had him pegged as the Georgia starter coming into the year. Nobody Fourth knew string, who the hell he was, in. but yeah. he's been playing well. I, I think you're right. I think Alabama's got to shore up some things on defense. I don't necessarily know if I'd bet against Nick Saban not to get it fixed, but I also think it's it's too soon. I think it, I think only a week um, has gone by since all of a sudden he's like, hey, the defense is one play behind. Well, you know, uh, I would say that not having a training camp, not having, you know, a preseason or anything like that is is kind of harm your defense because you're always playing catch-up, right? You know, it's always – the offense always makes the first move, so I would think defense would be harder to figure out at that point. So I think it's going to be high scoring. It's just – I think this is one of those games where you, you're a legend maker, right? If, if Bennett comes out and – throws for a couple touchdowns, maybe three or four touchdowns, um, and just controls the line like, hey, you're set up for a beautiful career at Georgia, and you're always going to be known as that as that one guy who won that, you know, Georgia-Alabama game going into Tuscaloosa. But, um, you know, I, I the line kind of scares me because I think it's going to be high scoring. The higher scoring you get, the more likely you have a chance of a, you know, it's a real close game, but it ended up 42 to – 35 or something like that to where seven points kills you. Um, so I would tend to stay away from the line. That's just me. But the over 59, I would hammer. I yeah. think it's just going to be out. Out. I think it'll may get there by the third quarter. I'm with you. I like the over in this one as well. And, and it's the over has been the early value or early line move. I think this yeah. opened up at 56 or 56 and a half. And so it's up to 59, 59 and a half now, depending upon uh, which book you're looking at. And so um, I'm with you. I like the over here. Uh, and that's the thing is that, you know, you talk about, you know, Stetson Bennett and what he's been able to do uh, for that Georgia offense, you know, coming in as a relative unknown. Again, I think he was the fourth, fourth stringer coming into fall camp. Yeah. And then you know, all the injuries and then Jamie Newman's opt out kind of, you know, forced him into the limelight. My goodness, that kid has taken advantage of it. So kudos to him uh, for for taking advantage of the opportunity that was presented to him. But he's shown himself to be pretty capable, right? And so, yeah. you know, he hasn't had to do a whole lot because that Georgia offensive line, the running game's really good, and then the defense has just been smothering. I mean, they, they've been really good. And, again, they kind of fall behind early to uh, Tennessee uh, this weekend there uh, between the hedges, and then that defense kind of, you know, puts the old squeeze on them in the second half, and they force a couple turnovers and short fields and uh, end up pulling away in that one, uh, 44-21. Um, so they scored a lot of points in that one. But I think the defense set them up with a short field. But I think you could see some of the same things kind of unfold here. You know, an interesting stat from Saturday night uh, against Ole Miss, Chad, and you probably saw this as well, is that I think Alabama was ended up with 724 total yards in that game, you know, 63 points. And had they – they could have ended up with a 765 or something. So they left 41 yards on the field. Essentially, they Ole Miss made them punt once. 
And then Najee Harris fumbled on the one-yard line on one of those drives. And so they had 11 drives. Nine of them ended up in touchdowns. And so they left 40 yards and 14 points on the board, if you want to think about it in those terms. You know, Najee Harris had five touchdowns, so he could have had six had he not not fumbled on that one drive. So that was about as close to a perfect performance on offense as an offense can can, conceivably do. And so I'm with you. I think think the offenses here are maybe a little bit ahead, despite the fact that Georgia's defense is good. So I like like the over here. And some some keys from from my standpoint, Chad, I think some, you know, not these aren't official over-unders, but I think some things that might dictate how the game unfolds would be that of Najee Harris, right? Does he get 100 yards rushing or not? Uh, I think that's going to be big. You know, Georgia's, they're going to be stingy on defense. We know that. But can he pop a couple of big ones uh, here and there? And maybe I should just say 100 total yards, right? Because he's a great receiver out of the backfield as well. And so can they, can he get involved in the offense? Uh, The other one I've got here is Stetson Bennett, 30 pass attempts, kind of an over-under. And I think, I think he needs to be under that. Chad, so I think okay. that uh, I think for Georgia's perspective, they need to be able to run the ball. You know, he's been so effective with play action pass. I think if he's under thirty pass attempts, I think that's actually a positive for Uga in this one. And then third down conversions for both teams. I think for Georgia. They need to avoid third down, Chad. So I, I don't get in those third and long predictable situations to where they know that Bennett's going to have to throw the ball. I think they need to to come out and uh, and pick up chunk yardage on first and second down and make it a manageable third down. And then for Alabama, and uh, whenever they have the ball, I think it's going to come down to third down conversion. Right? Can Georgia yeah. get them off the field? Can they get that talented Alabama offense off the field whenever they get them in third and five, third and seven, and those third down? Uh, conversion. So I think those those are three keys to the game from my perspective. But who who do you like to win the game outright in this one, Chad? Bama. I just think Bama's offense is more mature, and I think they'll figure out the defense issues. And if it does become an up and down shoot up type type game, I'll take Bama's offense over Georgia's. Yeah. Well, Mac Jones, he's looked great, and I think he was one of your he preseason has. picks for the Heisman, Chad. And you've done uh, that. He's done nothing to uh, uh, not warrant uh, that discussion. He has been incredibly impressive. Uh, and for that, he's just not getting the credit because I think to a certain degree, like, oh, well, yeah. Alabama has all these five stars at every position. It's like, well, yeah, so what? So he, yeah. he's been he's damn near executing. perfect. Yeah. He's still yeah. doing what you're asking him to, and he's still outperforming what you reasonably expected. Yep, I agree. The kid's I, doing well. He has been outstanding. He's going to be a first-round pick. He's been outstanding, and he he his performance through the first three weeks certainly merits an invite to uh, New York. I don't know, again, are they going to do an invite to New yeah, York? Totally. I keep saying that, but you, uh, he, he's going to be one of the Heisman finalists. To the virtual podium. Said, yes, absolutely. So he he has been super impressive, and this will be a marquee game, right? So this will be one of those games that uh, uh, everyone will be watching, and so he'll need to play well here as well, and I think he will. I'm with you. I like Bama, and I like the over in this one, but I like Georgia to keep it close, and then you know maybe uh, uh, Bama starts to pull away and makes a couple big plays in the second half. So uh, super excited for that one, though. That's going to be a lot of fun Saturday night watching that one on CBS. So, uh, well, Chad, I think we've just about covered our lines again this week, brother. And so, as always, all we're going to do now is watch the games and see what happens. And so, for our listeners out there, everyone, you can follow Chad and the whole Chalk team on Twitter and Instagram at ChalkOKC or at ChalkOKC or follow them on the web at ChalkOKC.com. Chad, as always, man, appreciate you joining me yet again. I look forward to doing it again next week, brother. So, a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully, we, we pick some winners for the listeners this week. So, we're, we're looking forward to uh, uh, throwing those up on the website here as we get uh, a little more 
more evolved on the website and uh, things kind of come along over at fantasysportspros.com. Uh, but again, while this will wrap it up for this episode, everyone, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Enjoy the games and don't forget to check your tickets, everyone. Take care and good luck. Thank you.